And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, as always, on Wednesday, it's my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what up? What's up, Andrew? What a win last night! Dude. I was texting with my buddy Peter this morning, and how I mean that this this might be giving away one of my awards later on, but losing three games to the Kings at the end of the season is easily the biggest accomplishment of this Thunder season, right? Yeah, man. Especially when you factor in how many players they had missing. Yes, I mean, I mean, if you told me they were missing Fox and Halliburton for the those three games. And I'd say, great, we're probably winning two. And then you throw in Harrison Barnes is out. Yes. And then for this most recent no Barnes. game, even Marvin Bagley was out, which at least he can put up points. I know. I know. It, they just like kept upping the ante, and the Thunder just kept responding. They were like, you know what? Whoever you throw at us, or whoever you, or whoever you don't throw at us, we will match you. They didn't play a guard last night. I don't know if you can. I mean, Svi is not a guard; he's a wing. So they didn't play one guard last night. And in they Sacramento. had uh, one of their best first halves we've seen in a long time. I know. I know. I got scared. I got scared. But I actually, when, once I realized the shooting percentage that they were shooting, I think it was like 63%, and they were only up three, I was like, all right, this game's in the bag. This is over. Yeah, but There's no I mean, way Charlie Brown's going to keep hitting. No, there wasn't any chance of that. But still, like, you just worry because it, it becomes one of those games where the it just is such an ugly basketball game that you wonder – if getting up by 14, if that's just, like, too much to overcome, like, will the Kings be able to come back from that? And not only did they come back, they, like, that third quarter, I, I don't remember what the exact stat was. I think it was, like, 34 to four, 32 to 14, something like that. Just 41 to 18 in the quarter. 41 to 18. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was that – was, uh, that was sh- it was shocking, but it yeah. – uh, and on the other hand, it was like, oh, no, this shouldn't be shocking at all. Look who's on the court. Why am I surprised by this? Yeah. But it, it, but was... it really it felt like our luck had run out, you know? It felt like, I know. Oh, this I is thought, just how it ends. Gosh. And, you know, like, no Dort. And, like, I mean, Poku's there, but Poku is not, like, a huge part of what was happening, you know? Yeah. And the fact that it's, you know, Kenrich and Roby and so much you know, bays charlie brown tons of bays too much bays we had the tony bradley like going off in the first half it was like oh no uh, and then things leveled out uh pretty significantly uh, huge huge shouts to uh the deals that the kings made at the trade deadline because if they didn't make those if they didn't get terrence davis basically for nothing 
and they didn't have DeLon Wright, there's just no way that the, that they win all three of those games. It's like big shouts for both of those trade deadline deals, Kings, to uh, to just just wiggle yourself into mediocrity. Good job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and Mo Harkless, him being there as well. Like, and Mo Harkless, my they, gosh, they, they still had functional players. I mean. At least their starting lineup, like DeLon Wright, Buddy Heald, Rashawn Holmes, Mo Harkless, like those yeah. four, like that's that's better than what oh, we were don't throwing you out there. Leave out Chimizy Metu. Oh, I'm gonna leave him out. <laughs> He's all right. He's all right. Yeah, if he was on our team, we'd be talking about him. Like, is he a guy? We would definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, Rashawn Holmes is is like pretty good. DeLon Wright's good. Uh, Harkless plays well against, has played well against the Thunder, and then obviously Terrence Davis, and then <laughs> Forrest on Whiteside still getting DMP CDs even <laughs> in this environment. Yeah, seriously, we never we never got to see a Whiteside Moses Brown matchup. We were that robbed is, of that. That is that is the biggest travesty of this series is that we didn't get to see that happen. Um, uh, anything, anything on the Thunder side that you were impressed with besides losing the game? Impressed? Of uh, man, I guess the only thing I could say. <laughs> Dig deep. Yeah, I'm Dig digging deep. deep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Dex post play, and we and we've talked about it previously, mm-hmm. but but especially last night, he just had a couple that were just kind of like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and he's just very good. That's that is definitely his NBA skill so far, because yeah. he is not a shooter, I guess, or at least he is. Not, I mean, he he just hasn't taken that many threes since he got here. And I don't know why I thought that was just like automatic. Like, oh, they're bringing over a guy. He's not a oh. center, so he must be a shooter. Yeah, played in the Euro League. You know, Manu Ginobili likes him. Obviously, he can shoot. You know, yeah. <laughs> he does not. He does not. And he's, yeah, he's, he's unwilling a lot of times to shoot from three. Uh, I mean, are we just unimpressed by Baisley's 18, five and five, zero, or I guess he had four turnovers. Um, but he's only th- three of 13. And, and I guess if you're going to be impressed by anything, it's getting to the line and shooting 12 free throws. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it's just, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of point bays in the future. No, I I would say I'm probably a little bit more down on Darius after this season, and maybe that's unfair. Maybe he's one of the guys that is a role player and needs, you know, good players to be a better player. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean it, the 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 best he looked was that first couple weeks in the season. Yeah, he he really looked good then, and that was with the full squad. The functional team. And yeah. then he got the injury, and he was out for so long. And when he was out, that was when the Thunder were <laughs> winning way too many games. And that's when mm-hmm. we were all kind of getting excited about all these players. By the time he gets back, we're basically in full tank mode. Mm-hmm. And as we saw last night, he's being asked to do things that, like, he just – I mean, it's cool to see because you might as well try it out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But – realistically especially when you think about bringing in some blue chippers in the draft his role next year is probably going to be more like it was last year like on the Chris Paul team and I think you know we saw in the bubble like he can have really nice runs in Mm -hmm. that kind of complimentary role so I think maybe once he gets back to that 
we can kind of reassess it because yeah, Bayes is like future star. I'm not necessarily seeing it. Whereas at one time, I think we were talking about oh, what's the ceiling on this guy? Like it, he could be anything. Yeah. I don't. I don't really feel that way anymore. He could still be a good rotation player, though. Yeah. Yeah, he's he'll have to work to earn his spot. Yeah. They're gonna have a lot of incoming young guys that they're gonna want to develop. And there's already like they already have several forwards. You know, Poku's here, Deck is here. Um, they're he's gonna have to work to to earn that spot, which I think is a good thing for him. I think competition would will be a good thing for him. So I'm not writing him off or anything, but I I do think that his season was a little disappointing in ways um but someone who's season who is not disappointing is kenrich williams who played again and was awesome again <laughs> 20 points two boards four assists four steals two blocks in 33 minutes eight of 15 from the field and he was named to the zach Lowe luke walton all-stars this morning yeah and- which is uh correct I'm not even saying, like, good job, Zach. Like, it's just correct that he's on there. (laughs) Right, and he had a – I mean, I guess we kind of already knew this, but I did think it was interesting that Zach Lowe brought up that many teams were interested in him at the the trade deadline, but but that Kenrich didn't want to leave OKC. Like, that's how it was framed in the article, which I thought that was a little interesting. Yeah, I think it's – I think it was the same from Muscala – I think Muscala decided that he would just prefer to stay as well. So I don't I don't I don't know. I I would guess it's true. I don't think Zach Lowe would put it in his article if it wasn't true. But that it is interesting and then the, that he sits a majority of like the final 20 games. Right. But I I think that they do have plans with this guy because if the thunder are somehow going to turn make like a quick turnaround let's say that they get a good player and then they're like hey let's just see if we can make the play in next year or if they get really lucky in the draft and in the or at the lottery and get two top five picks and then they just say okay like we feel like this is good enough we're gonna be media i mean the truth is like they're gonna be likely pretty mediocre anyways so let's just like push for it and Kenrich is like a great guy to have in a lineup like that yeah and you have to assume that no one was making like a godfather offer for Kenrich Williams so it was it was probably like a a nice second for him yeah and so uh, I'm sure or I have to imagine if anyone ever offered a late first for Kenrich Williams like the Thunder would have to take that Maybe. I don't know. He's good. Like, he's legit good. Like, his three ball, like, it was really falling last night, but, like, his three ball, I think, is going to be a reliable tool for him. And then he can play multiple positions. I don't know. Those guys are hard to find. And if you just unearth one of those guys, I don't know. You Just just like with Covington. Like, Covington, you they held on to him long enough to where he became so valuable that he was worth two firsts. Yeah, true. So I just, I don't know. I mean, a late first rounder when you already have a billion first round picks. If they were, if they didn't have the treasure trove of assets, then yeah, I would probably do it. But when you have so many and you're going to be looking for those kind of guys, I don't know. Like they they have them under contract, on like a really cheap contract, 
And if if you have a good season, let's say the Thunder like are the ninth seed next year, and they're good, and they battle, and they make the playoffs or something like that, and Kendrick Williams is their sixth man or whatever, like then he's probably worth more than that. Yeah. So, and what was the hypothetical that you asked me before we started recording, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> well, you look back at the Stephen Adams trade, and it's just hypothetical. Let's say the Pelicans called, and it's not even possible to make this happen. But let's, actually, it is possible because of the cap space the Thunder have. So this is possible. They could call this summer and say, "Hey, you know, we, we know that Stephen is important to your community." Let's just do Steven for Kenrich straight up. Yeah, you could even take the teams out of it, just like in a vacuum. Any two random teams. One has Steven Adams, one has Kenrich Williams. And, and How many things ha- happen in a vacuum? Um, so, I mean, not that many. Probably, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, but yes, let's say, let's say team... Team-wise, you, you think about it, but you probably don't You probably don't, don't do especially it. if you're factoring in contracts. I mean, if you're factoring in contracts, it's like, no, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's an absolute Which no-brainer. is just wild to think how bad the Pelicans bungled that trade because they had other pieces on their roster they could have. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's no they, – they should have done everything in their power to get off of Eric Bledsoe's contract at that time because now they are Mm -hmm. so stuck with it Mm -hmm. and you look at some of the conversations on twitter among pelicans fans like talking about what would we have to give up to get off of eric bledsoe's contract at this point and most people are saying like at least one first if not two for most teams (laughs) because of how bad he's played this season that was just such a terrible trade to give up so many assets george hill who we got an asset for and George Kendrick Williams. Hill. And then yeah. I think we got picks as well. Absurd. Yeah. It's an insane deal. It's one of the better deals that was made. And, you know, like, I mean, and nobody knew what Kenrich was going into this season. Nobody thought that he was this. He was even one of the guys you probably can rewind and listen to some preseason pods where we're like, yeah, they're probably going to cut yeah. Kenrich Williams. Yeah, I'm sure when Frank Jackson, and when that all was going down, people were <laughs> saying, hey, why couldn't we just cut Kendrick Williams? I can probably find you 100 yeah. tweets that say that. And Frank Jackson's been hey, good. Hey, he, like, he's so good Jackson. that the Pistons really sat him for, for last Detroit. night. Because he could. Right. He's too <laughs> he's good to tank. He's on the sit list. <laughs> Congrats he is to too Frank. good to tank. Uh, yeah. No, he's been he's been good. Uh, but I'd still, I'd still just rather give minutes to Ty Jerome. Oh yeah, than Frank sure. Jackson. Okay, so, but yeah, the Thunder, the Thunder have done something that they haven't done ever, and that's like make like really solid fringe moves. Oh yeah, totally. You know, like 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 hitting on those kind of guys, the Ty Jeromes and the Kenrich Williams of the world. Even like Svee to a degree has been pretty good for the Thunder. Uh, it's just funny because like having a Kenrich Williams on any of those Durant Westbrook teams or even like the Durant or the Westbrook Paul George teams would have been absolutely perfect, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or Ty Jerome off the bench. Those guys would have been, I mean, the Kenrich would have started for those 
PG teams. Yeah, for sure. Easily. And this is one of the reasons why, as we get closer to the draft and we start thinking about who the Thunder might take, I, I mean, I'm probably going to have favorites by that point. But honestly, seeing how this yeah. team played this season, I'm going to be excited about anyone because it seems like the the system that is currently in place in Oklahoma City is going to get the best out of whoever they bring in. Um, Because we've seen so many guys have career years, career years with Oklahoma City, with Oklahoma City Mm -hmm. Thunder this year. And you just, you just brought up three of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could throw Moses in there as well. There's, I mean, up and down the roster, everyone is having a career year on this team. And so you just get excited when you, when you think about, oh, not just bringing in an end of the roster end of the bench guy from some other team like they did this year mm-hmm. what what happens mm-hmm. when you bring in more blue chippers yeah i know and then to think that i mean who knows if they only get one pick in the top five and then they get like that 19th pick or whatever that heat pick ends up being like you know like the thunder have been picking there for forever and have picked some like decent guys at that spot you know what comes of that pick and then they're gonna have probably two picks in this i think for sure they're gonna have two picks in the early second round now and then like what what do we make of of those two picks you know they that's where they got teo was at that spot so i mean there's uh, it's very very intriguing to see what this team will be it'll be very different you know the, the the charlie browns and the Tony Bradley's and the Josh Halls of the world will be gone and like they'll have at least I don't know how good they'll be I don't know how good these players will be coming off the bench but they'll at least be like very intriguing and I think when you're talking about the picks one thing we should mention maybe as we trans or transition into the uh, standings is that the recent run by Golden State they're not going to get there but man they put up a good fight almost are going to give us that pick they're not going to make it. And if you think back no. to when uh, Curry fell and broke his butt, they were 1-7 in mm-hmm. those games without Steph. And if <laughs> if he had just not <laughs> fallen that way and had played those eight games, it's likely they'd go at least 4-4, four and four, if not 5-3. and three. And, they're, and they are probably in right. the top ten records right now. We would have gotten that first. That's how close it ended up yep. being. I know. Yeah. I know. That's such a bummer. Yeah, they've won four in a row. Wiggins uh, looked good last night. That's weird. Um, okay, let's go to the reverse standings here. Maybe I'll pull this up. It's kind of fun to pull it up on the stream. Uh, share screen. Okay. So as of this morning, the Thunder sit at third all by themselves. In the reverse standings, Houston is going to be going to have the top odds, followed by probably Detroit. Yeah. Right? They seem to they seem to be wanting to lose out, and then you have this jumbled up group of OKC, Cleveland, Orlando. Yeah. So Detroit's I, I think they're locked in one because we saw how they approached that Minnesota game last night, but also they only have two games left, and it's Denver and Miami. Both both teams who still yeah. want to win for playoff positioning, they need to win. So yeah, they're yeah, locked they in. To they're gonna be. They're gonna have twenty wins. So then you're looking at the Magic and the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Is there any hope for either of those teams? The Cavs play Boston tonight. 
that's that's which Boston right there, right? Played Miami last night, so that's they're come second at, yeah, second out of a back to back. Maybe they do. And Jalen Brown is obviously out for the rest of the season. Kemba looked like he got hurt in that game yep. last night, though he did come back. He hurt his shoulder, but he, yeah, he it, hurt his shoulder. If they had a shot, I think it'd be that game because the next two games are on the road at Washington, at Brooklyn, and even if Brooklyn's sitting people, yeah. I, I I don't know by that point. So that's that's probably <laughs> the best shot. And then you go to Orlando; they play at Atlanta, and then two games at Philly. Now, Philly, if they win their next game, I think they will have the one seed locked up. They will, and, and then they can, they can rest. I mean, Right, and they so can rest everyone. Orlando and Orlando, to their credit, like their young guys are are trying to win every single game. And if you get one good Cole Anthony yeah. game, it it could theoretically happen. True, but probably not. So I yeah. would say I would say most likely scenario yeah. is what we're looking at right now, tied for the for the third best yeah. odds. Which, yeah, I mean, remember. Like a month ago, we were talking about most realistic would be getting to the fifth spot. And yeah, most realistic. Yeah, hoping to and get like, to the and then hoping to get to the fourth the was like that was kind of the pipe dream. If we could get to the fourth, jump yes. jump a couple of these teams. So now to be tied for third, and you're going to mm-hmm. split those odds. That's that's a really good outcome if it holds. Yeah. Still would feel really good to get oh, a Cleveland sure. win in there. I mean, shout out to Minnesota to make uh, it not a four-way tie. Oh. Oh, my goodness, Amazing. Minnesota. What are, they, what are they doing to themselves? They have Denver, Boston, Dallas left. But beating Orlando and Detroit back-to-back and then winning four in a row, Utah, those oh, Utah wins, huge. while pretty fun, are just – so detrimental to the future of this squad. I, I I don't think they're gonna look back and be like, the reason Anthony Edwards has become a star is because we won those four games in a row at the end of the season. That's it's it's detrimental to them. Should we sim this lottery, Al? Oh, sim it up. Let's okay, see what we go. we're gonna get. Only one time. Okay, we, we jump up to the third spot. Houston keeps the number one pick. Minnesota jumps up to number two. Now, that would be fun. That and then the Thunder fun. get the number three pick. It's highly acceptable. That is, that yeah, that is kind of like the, I feel like that's the median outcome. Yeah, and the Thunder get the 20th pick. Three and 20. And... I'll bet it. Well, I don't know. Who does Minnesota take if they're at two? Uh, they take Mobley. Maybe. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, whoever it is, whoever falls, if it's Suggs that falls, if it's Mobley that falls, I'll just be pumped and jacked. Yeah, or if they're a team that, I mean, who knows? That could be a team that would trade the second pick if they could get a high level starter who would that be i don't know we we're going to talk about some guys later who we think might be changing teams maybe one of those guys so this is a painful one thunder get a fifth pick but still got to stop as as long as we get one top five pick i think we should be satisfied Mm -hmm. this is the this This is is the the worst case scenario where you drop to six then you have to start thinking okay what could we possibly do 
Yeah, who can we trade? What can we? Yeah, Washington jumped it too. Wow. Wow. That? Even this one is much better. Five and six. Yeah. Still a little sad, but workable. All right. Uh, Alex, let's go over to the stream real quick. See who has joined us today. We have, let's see, Falk from Denmark. We have Wojciech in Poland. Will Burchett says, good job on the reverse jinx, Alex. Oh, thank it. you so much. We have Daniel in the UK who says, Wasan boys. We have Adve in New Jersey. We have Hoopstock69. We have Tom from Walmaria on Paradise Island. Oh, my. That sounds, that sounds very nice. We have Jake Hendricks from Kansas City. We have Yoni from Israel. We have Wes Gregg. We have Hui Jan from Hong Kong. Thanks for joining. We have some Bays love here in the house. We have Jay in Singapore. Loving Bays. Hoopsock69 <laughs> predicting that Bays will be trade bait. Um, let's see. We have No Limit says that we should trade for Shay's cousin. No. Would you do Bledsoe and would you just do mm. Bledsoe and Nah just trade it into our cap space? Oh man, I guess if if the plan is to stretch Bledsoe, I would consider yeah. it. I just don't want. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be in a position where we have to give minutes to Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Tyler Carroll, although it does seems to be a, a helpful thing if you're trying to lose That's true. games. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Hope everybody's doing well. Dort in Slovenia. Dort! Uh, Alright. Hope everybody's doing well. And we'll be right back after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it was time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. 
That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back after that quick break. Alex. Yo. Let's talk Let's talk some awards. Yes, we're going to give away some end-of-the-year awards today. Now, we did this at the halfway point of the season, focusing on the Thunder. And so my first thought was, oh, we should give some end-of-the-season Thunder awards. But looking back over what we did at the halfway point in the season, uh, it turns out nothing had really changed. <laughs> Arguably, the season ended at the halfway point, and uh, we haven't learned a ton since then. And I was just realizing that my opinion on almost all of the awards that we gave are basically the same. Mm-hmm. So instead, we are going to make this more broad. These are going to be more uh, NBA-focused, league-wide focused. There will be some Thunder uh, questions mixed in there. But most of these are going to be league-wide. So, Andrew, we have 15 awards. We'll see how many we get through. Uh, you ready to start? Let's do it. All right. So our first award going to the most disappointing player or team of the season so you can pick a player you can pick a team who was the player or team that disappointed you personally the most this year Andrew this was very very personal but I have two teams that I feel like were the most disappointing you it's you can Pelic- only give one you can only give one award Andrew oh do okay. not cheat I'll, I'll, I'll say it's the Pelicans the Pelicans okay I was very disappointed in the Pelicans they didn't even make the play in Al it's pretty it's really bad, bad. They had this team. They they had traded Drew Holiday, yeah, and they had gotten a good, like a great deal for Drew Holiday, and it still felt like they were still in position to at least be a top ten team. And you come out of this season feeling a little weird about Brandon Ingram, maybe. And then, like outside of Zion, like what do you feel truly confident about? Not only that, it's like they have set themselves up where. They've, they've set themselves up for cap hell with the Bledsoe and the Adams deals to the point where yeah. that, that might be a reason why they don't re-sign Lonzo because they have so much other money committed. And it's like, mm-hmm. do we really want to add another $20-plus-million-a-year contract? Yeah, I, I'm super disappointed with the Pelicans. And they're a weird team in that there's kind of like two phases to this season. The one phase where they shifted to point Zion and all of a sudden they were a really good offense and their defense was Mm -hmm. terrible. Mm -hmm. Now you have this more recent version of the Pelicans where actually their defense has gotten really good. It's been like top 10 over this whatever recent amount of time, but their offense has now tanked. So they just have not been able to figure out what they should do. They obviously made a huge commitment to Stan Van Gundy, so they're, they're stuck there. Yeah. And I think they are a fascinating team for this summer. Because Lonzo's obviously the big name. Like, what are they going to yep. do with him? But I'm more interested in they have all these this this future treasure chest of assets with the Lakers mm-hmm. picks, the Bucks pick. Do they use any of those assets to just kind of clean up their cap in any way? Whether that's mm-hmm. getting off of Bledsoe or maybe even moving someone like Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams is much more salvageable than Bledsoe. So mm-hmm. I think the priority should be getting <laughs> rid of Bledsoe as best you can. Also because mm-hmm. like Stan Van just keeps playing him. Like like at some point you just have to recognize like okay fine if he's going to be on our roster but like we have to invest in other players who want to be here. Yeah. Yeah, he's they're playing a lot of James Johnson too. Yeah. It's like what are like what are we doing here? Really weird. <laughs> like what's 
what's going on here. I think I think they made the wrong choice in the coach. And I've been a Stan Van guy for a long time, but he doesn't seem to be getting through to those guys. And that's a problem. Um, for me, I'm glad you chose the Pelicans because I chose a different team. I chose the Boston Celtics. Uh, okay. j- just as a team that it, it just seemed obvious, good coach. Like if you had said at the beginning of the year, like not only are you you're getting a good year of Brad Stevens, but you're going to have career years from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And the career year from Jalen Brown is going to be like better than you could even imagine. It's shocking that they've been as mediocre as they've been. And just a up and down roller coaster season. Obviously, they dealt with a ton in terms of COVID protocols. Yeah. And so I think if you're looking for a silver lining, you're hoping you can just write this season off and come in next year. But what scares me for the Celtics is they made their all in move with Evan Fournier. <laughs> that is the worst sentence you could say. Yeah. And he has an expiring contract. So now this summer, Ugh. when like. Honestly, you'd be trying to get off of Kemba, which I don't think you're going to be able to do. Compounding that problem is that now you have to be like, okay, do we want to pay Evan Fournier? Is this going to be like a key part of our rotation? Because if he's not, it's not like you have a ton of other cap space to do something else with that slot. Mm -hmm. So they also, in a way, feel kind of screwed. And now is the time where like Danny Ainge has to start making moves to bolster like the end of this roster or like the middle to end of this roster, which he has just not done with all these, you know, failed or middling first round picks. So, Mm -hmm. so that's why they get my most disappointing award. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, they're, they have been absolutely disappointing. All right, let's do our next award. We'll, we'll go, we'll shift to a positive one. Let's skip ahead and we'll do the leap year award. So this is, an award given to a player who is having an awesome year who we think has made a real leap and is only going to get better. This is not a flash in the pan, Andrew. Who do you have for your leap year award? Well, if you listen to Monday's show, it's just hard for me not to pick Shea. Maybe that's a homer pick. Oh, what a homer. <laughs> but he he had a legitimately great season. Like, he's... He's on his way to being, you know, a top 15, top 20 player in the league. And I don't see any reason why it won't get better. I mean, I, I think it, it will because I think they'll have better players on the team next year. I think you'll have a, you know, a full calendar year to have Mark Degnault in that coach's seat, which I think is a good thing. And then, you know, Shea's going to have a lot of time off. He's going to go get to play for Team Canada. And I don't know if like the Team Canada stuff will have the same impact that having those young Thunder players play for Team USA did, but like th- those were big moments for those guys to go and play for their national teams, and it it helped them make a leap. Now I don't know if the same thing will happen with Team Canada because the competition is a lot different, and Shea is likely the best player on the team, um, but perhaps that will even boost his confidence even more, knowing that. Like I think that it's probably safe to say <clears throat> that like the the best Canadian player in the NBA is Shea. So that's to me that's a big deal. I don't think that's I don't think that anybody would be saying that about him, you know, years ago. So um I'll take Shea as a guy that made a leap and will continue to get better. And mine is going to go to a Denver Nugget, Michael Porter Jr. 
Yeah. Uh, he has been incredible since Jamal Murray went down. He had a rough start to the season. Wasn't looking great. Then he dealt with COVID. Then he came back, and he was still trying to fit his way into that roster. He would have flashes. But since Jamal Murray has gone down, he has really stepped up. And you look at his stat line, and this is only his second year playing in the NBA because he mm-hmm. missed that first year with the injury. He's shooting 45% on six three-point attempts per game. <laughs> Currently for the season, averaging right around 20 points. He's a guy who I think already, but it's definitely going to be by next season, everyone will acknowledge that he's the Nuggets' second-best player. And he's yeah. a guy who I think could easily score 25-plus points as early as next season. And he's mm-hmm. a guy, because of his efficiency, if he can get to the line, because that is definitely the weakest part of his game. He's only averaging 2.2 attempts right now. But he is so efficient in all other aspects of his game. If he can start getting to the line, he could be a 30-point-per-game scorer in this league. He is yeah. just so efficient. He Because he's so tall, he can get shots whenever he wants. And he is a guy who I just am super high on going forward. And it seems like he cares, too. You read some of the the stories coming out about him going to Mike Malone and wanting to be better at defense. Like It, it seems like he's he wants it. He's not just yeah. going to be a guy who's going to be only offense. Now, he's not good at defense yet, but I do think he's mm-hmm. going to get better there. So that's my leap year award. That's a good one. That was That's one of those inflection points for Denver. If they didn't have him or they selected somebody else or, you know, the Kings were rumored to want him at two in that draft. And let's say if the Kings just went ahead and took him yeah. at two, one, it would have been a great move for the Kings. And then two, like, where are the Nuggets without him during this stretch? Like, I don't know. All right, our next award, this is a fun one, the Cursed Fan Award. Andrew, this goes to the team that we'd least like to be a fan of for the next five years. So I, for this one, I, I looked at uh, salary cap, you know, or what teams are in salary cap hell, mm-hmm. what teams don't have a lot of young, exciting prospects that I would get excited to watch. Mm-hmm. And I went with one that I, I wasn't expecting to go with, but it was the team that we watched last night. It was the Sacramento Kings. No, well, that's who I picked too. And it, I really wanted to choose someone else because Darren Fox, fun. Tyrese Halliburton, sure. fun. Sure. A, a lot of like solid rotation players. Rashawn Holmes, Buddy Heald. Like, there, there's players on this team, but I think that this franchise is just so dysfunctional that I can't imagine it ever working out. Mm-hmm. And. As much as I like Tyrese Halliburton, I don't know if he's that type of franchise player who can reverse the fortunes of a bad franchise in the way that like LeBron going to Cleveland reversed that terrible franchise's fortunes, mm-hmm. and they've gone right back to being terrible afterwards. So unless they get super lucky in the draft, get someone like a Cade Cunningham who maybe is that type of player, I just see the next five years kind of being what they've been. I mean, maybe they make the play-in tournament, but I just have no hope for this Kings franchise going forward. Yep, no hope. <clears throat> There's none. And I'm a hope guy. I'm full of hope. There's none. There's none. I, 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 like, the only other teams... I actually considered Portland. Oh, gosh. I considered it. When you look at their cap situation and you start mm-hmm. thinking about how old Dame is 
and what mm-hmm. what they could look like in like four to five years. Oh, I also no. looked at the Cavs, but yeah, I had to go with the Kings. Um, okay, our next award is the Bounce Back Award. This goes to the team who had a rough year, but who we would already take their over for next season. So if they came, you, just a blind, a blind bet, you don't even know what the over-under is going to be, you're already locking in the over for this team. I'm going to say the Celtics. The Celtics. I think that people will be down on them. That is after true. They, after they lose in the play-in, they'll probably lose in the play-in. So let's say they lose the play-in. Like, oh, my gosh, what a failure. Oh, my gosh, this team sucks. This team is horrible forever. Really what they need to do is make moves around the edges of the team. Like, just make make a functional-looking team, right? Yeah. That's all they need to do. And you can get guys to come to Boston to form a functional team. If they were in a small market, I would say, I don't know. I don't know if they can do it. In Boston, for sure, you can do it. So I I think that they could easily come back. You get Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown's injury is not so bad that he's going to miss time for next season, too. He's going to come back. And then... Even if they keep Kemba, and then you just get some functional NBA players around them, like they're instantly a good team. So I would, I'll say the Celtics. I would say that they could bounce back. Well, you know, I remember when the the Thunder beat the Celtics when Jalen Brown was out. A question I put up on Twitter that I would really like to have a smart NBA person answer this is mm-hmm. rank everyone who pl- just played in this game. Because I really think if you just gave Boston three or four of these guys on the Thunder, and not even mm-hmm. – I'm not talking about Shea or Dort. I'm just saying, like, give them Svi, give them Ty Jerome. <laughs> give them Svi. Give them Ty Jerome. Give them Kenny Hustle. Like, yeah. this team – the Celtics would be significantly better, it feels like. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You get a Ty Jerome and a Kenny Hustle in there, yeah, those guys play a lot for the Celtics, and they help them a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, my team – for the bounce back award, the Toronto Raptors. This one feels like yeah. easy money. Now this is also slam dunk. this is also going to come back when I bring up my worst take of the year award. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the the Tor- Toronto Raptors playing in Tampa Bay. The only thing that gives me uh, makes me a little hesitant is that uh, S- uh, Stephen LeBron on Twitter was bringing up the fact that like, are we sure Toronto's going to be back in Toronto next season? Like, do we feel confident enough in everything oh working out with COVID? that Toronto's actually going to be able to go back to Toronto next season. That was the first time I'd ever yeah. heard someone say that, and that's the only thing that gave me pause. Otherwise, as long as we assume they're back in Toronto, this team yeah. still has a ton of talent, even if Kyle Lowry leaves, and they are now in a position where they could get, they could easily jump up into the top five. I mean, they are not far behind these teams. And if that happens, all of a sudden their fortunes dramatically change. So I'm, I'm very high on Toronto. This was absolutely the season from hell more than any other team in the league just because of what they had to endure being in tampa bay for an entire season yeah and they'll they'll be in the lottery and maybe they'll have maybe they get lucky you know maybe they will who knows okay let's mix in a thunder question andrew let's go to the worst win of the season award this award goes to the Thunder's worst win of the season. They have 21 of them, Andrew. Which one miffed and peeved you the most? I mean, it's got to be the Boston game, right? 
Not for me, Andrew. Make your I case. I you wouldn't pick them. You're in the midst of this historic losing streak. And it's a it's a win that you can point to to say if they would have just lost that game. And a game and it's also a game that the Celtics wanted to win, right? Like they needed that game. They did. And they dropped it. And that to me is it, it's it could end up being catastrophic. It's not good. Here's what I would say. One, I put more blame for that win on the Celtics than the Thunder. The Celtics were truly horrible in that game. And I would also say that that win prevented this current Thunder team from owning the record of longest losing streak in franchise history, which doesn't really matter long term. No, but I know the guys wanted to avoid that. And so that was nice for them. And I would argue the actual worst win of the season was March 21st at Houston. Why was this win so bad? By that time, OKC did not have SGA, Horford, Muscala, and Bays was out. Houston had mm-hmm. lost 19 in a row and were trying to avoid yeah. being the eighth franchise in league history to lose 20 in a row. Okay, so mm-hmm. they had tons of incentive. Also, they were completely healthy for that game. Their, their starting lineup, John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate, Daniel House Jr. That's a legit NBA lineup. That's perfectly that good. They were healthy, yep. and, and Kevin Porter Jr. played 20 minutes off the bench. Like They had mm-hmm. all of their guys. They had all the incentive in the world to win that game and not get to 20 losses in a row, which is a, a franchise record now. And what did we have? We had that Dort block, amazing play, of course, Dort block mm-hmm. on John Wall in the closing seconds, and then John Wall also had like a three-look at the end to win it. Both of them didn't go down for the Rockets. And so the Thunder get that win. I also thought this win was more significant because Houston is below them in the standings. It probably, it you know, yeah. they're, they're so far behind they at this point. That way. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But who knows? What if the Rockets <laughs> win that game and their season turns around, Andrew? That's the, sure. that's the spark <laughs> they needed. I didn't know that we get to throw in hypotheticals for other teams <laughs> into the, the worst win of the season. Yeah, I mean... And you get 15 from Justin Jackson. Who uh, six from not the even field. on the team anymore. Not even on the team. Wasn't even he's traded. A, I know. He's a two-way player for the Bucks now. <sighs> um, yeah, that I agree that was bad. Like Kevin Porter Jr. You know, scored four points in that game. You had Kenyon Martin Jr. and Sterling Brown playing in that game. Like, they they should have won that they should have won that stupid game. They, should. they really should have. And and there's actually two games that are more meaningful, which are the wins against Orlando and Cleveland earlier in the season. But I didn't choose those because for the Orlando one, that's when Orlando was four and two, one of the hottest teams yeah. in the league. So like right. whatever. And then the Cleveland game gosh, my can you hear my dryer going off? It goes off like that forever. Did you hear that? I think I did. I can take it out. Okay. Or we'll just leave it in. Or just leave it in. The other one was the Cleveland game, but they won that game by like uh, 20 points or something. So, or, or, or maybe it was like 11 points. It wasn't a close game. Yeah. So I, I didn't choose that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next award. The What about the Dort 3? Did you consider the Dort? Oh, against San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, that one was. I, can, I, can, I considered that. But it was a fun moment, right? It, like it was, was it was moment. more fun than his block on John Wall. Yeah. And then also beating Minnesota. 
yeah that at home that was a bad one two where like Nas Reed was like killing OKC You're like come on Nas like you can do this and uh, somehow the Thunder fight back but Shea played in that game Lou played in that game like they had a functional team they had Shea Lou Teo Kenrich and Baisley starting like yeah. it doesn't surprise me that they won and they were still playing Hami and Muscala too. It's just so crazy to think one one win. That's all it need to be. One yeah. win. You flip it to a loss. We're tied for second right now. Amazing. I know. And at the time, even like three weeks ago, it didn't feel like any of those were that significant because it didn't feel like the Thunder were going to be even close to them. Right. Yeah. And they and they turn into literally one of the worst teams in NBA history over this stretch. <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration whatsoever. Okay, let's move on to the DEFCON 1 award. This award goes to the team that we think is most likely to have major offseason changes as a result of losing early in the playoffs. I think this is a really interesting one because it not only requires a team to lose, but it also requires them to have moves that can be made so like for instance Mm -hmm. choosing the lakers like let's say the lakers didn't make the playoffs they like lost two games in a row in the playing tournament yes that would be awful but like what are they realistically going to do like they're still going to keep lebron and ad so it's it's not going to be a dramatic change same thing with trade tht yeah yeah same thing with like the bucks like i think the bucks would be another one but like what what are the Mm -hmm. bucks going to do there's not like an obvious move to make so, right. who did you go with? I picked the Blazers. And I, I think that is probably the best bet because yeah. they're going to go out in at least the first round um, yeah. if they don't fall back into the playing tournament, which it looks like they won't at this point. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose in the first round, most likely. And there's already yeah. been rumors about the Blazers wanting to make a coaching change or – you know, what are they going to do with Norm Powell and CJ? So, yeah, I think that right. that is the most obvious one. Um, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. One that I'll throw out there as my DEFCON 1 award. I don't necessarily believe this, and I don't think they would go out in the first round, 
But I do think if they lost in the first or second round, it would lead to major offseason changes. It is the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, okay. I'm starting to get a little yeah. worried about the Sixers. I'm. Are you? Why? I just I don't think I trust them. Why? They've been pretty good, man. I know. I know they've been pretty good. I do. What don't you trust about them? What What about it? I don't trust their offense outside of Embiid, and yeah. I'm just worried that they're going to get in a bad matchup. I mean, they have they have proven nothing in the playoffs thus far with this group. I'm not sure. I'm not betting against them yet. I just got my eye on it, and I think that you know, in a scenario where they match up with like the Heat in the second round, if the Heat stay in the four five, they beat Atlanta. You get a second-round matchup with the Heat, who are starting to put things together. It wouldn't shock me if the Heat beat the Sixers. And in that scenario, I do think there are moves that can be made. The obvious one being like a major Ben Simmons trade or something like that. So yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but th- that would be the one. The other one that I thought of was the Clippers, because I do think there's an obvious move there with Paul George. I don't know what you would get for him, but if they're a team that goes out yeah. in the first round, which is plausible, or in the second round, I could see a big move like that. Yeah, I had the Clippers on my list too. I mean, they play the Mavs in round one. Would you be floored if they lost to the Mavs in round one? I wouldn't be floored, no, because the Mavs – I don't know if it's since the All-Star break, but within this recent stretch, they've been one of the better teams in the league. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, they had a terrible start to the season. But if you just look at, like, the last month or month and a half, Dallas has been one of the better teams in the league. So, yeah, I, I that, would, that would not shock me. I would still pick the Clippers to win. But, I mean, they took them to six games last year. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And you have another year of Luka. You know, I don't – I don't know what Porzingis' status will be come playoff or play-in time or playoff time. I don't know. But, yeah, they're – I don't know. There's something – there's just something weird about that Clippers team that I don't – I mean, Paul George signed the extension, yes, but we know that means nothing, right? Like, yeah. Anything could happen with that squad. And if Kawhi just says, yeah, I'm done, you know, I want to go – I don't even know where he'd go. Like, where would Kawhi want to go Heat. if he doesn't stay there? Yeah, send me to Miami, you know, and the, or Miami finds a way to get cap space. Miami calls OKC and says, hey, we'll give you whatever you want so we can dump these contracts <laughs> right. on to you so that we could get Kawhi. Kawhi and Jimmy in Miami would be sick. That would be pretty cool. Shoot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they're, the Clippers are one team who could really benefit from the Blazers falling back into that sixth spot and getting them in the first round as opposed to the Mavericks. Um, okay, a few more awards, Andrew. Let's uh, let's do a positive one. Good Karma Award. Okay. This goes okay. to the lottery team that we think has built up the best karma for getting a top pick. I'm interested to see who you chose for this. I picked Detroit. Detroit! Didn't you see? They sat Frank Jackson. That's not good karma. I just, I think that in the offseason, you know, they made a lot of signings. They did well in the draft last year with their later picks. Um, and, you know, they're putting, they put a good executive in the seat there in Detroit. They're trying, like they're doing the right things, right? They're making all the right steps. 
they're tanking, but not agree, not so egregiously the whole season. Uh, and you know, they've won a title in the past, but they've been really bad for a long time. I feel like they've kind of cleansed themselves of all these kind of rough players. And now they're kind of this fun little upstart team. And I feel like they've, they've got a little karma behind them. So I'll, I'll say Detroit. Interesting. Well, I was uh, first going to go with Toronto just because everything they had to deal with being in Tampa. Yeah, is that karma or just feeling sorry for them? Uh, that is feeling sorry, but the basketball gods do feel sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I decided to go with Orlando because talk about a team okay. that has never really gotten any luck in the lottery. Like, they've always been once... They went the number one pick two years in a row. They got Shaq and Chris Webber. Oh, my God. That was, like, two decades ago. No, that was 25 years ago. I know, but... I mean, you just can't, just don't say never. Just say it's been a long time. Okay, in the modern, in the more modern era of the Orlando Magic, they have consistently gotten like one pick worse than what would have they been. They got Dwight at one. Oh my gosh. Do you hate the Magic? No, I just, I just disagree. They've had tremendous luck throughout their franchise history. Okay, when was, when was he, when was he drafted? When was he drafted? Was he 04? Uh, no. Okay, so first of all, they they are worst. I'm just looking at, like, the last 10 years, okay? Okay. okay. When they were at their worst, it just happened mm-hmm. to be the Anthony Bennett draft. They get the second mm-hmm. pick. They take Oladipo. They got the best player. Good for them. Not good enough. Next draft, they get the fourth pick. They take Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. Again, good player. But they're like just a like one pick away from Joel Embiid that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2015, the fifth pick, they take Mario Hazonia. 2016, they get the 11th pick. That's the Sabonis year. The yeah. next year, they get the sixth pick, Jonathan Isaac. Like in every instance, 2018, they get the sixth pick, Muhammad Bamba. I don't know why I called him Muhammad that time. Mo Bamba. <laughs> Their own fault. All of this stuff is there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds. I'm here. just saying it's it's been very rare for them to jump up and meanwhile this entire time they're trying to do things the quote unquote right way by like trying to make the playoffs, trying to be a good NBA team. They make the playoffs two years in a row. They get waxed mm-hmm. in the first round. We're all saying, "Oh, look at the Magic. They're such idiots. They're on this treadmill of mediocrity forever and ever." And then finally mm-hmm. this year, they make the right decision. And they actually start to tank. And I think it's going to end up with some good karma, Andrew. That's all I'm saying. I just could not disagree more. Wow! I think the, I think the Magic have, have... It's all self-inflicted stuff. It's all... And the, the only correct move they made is at the trade deadline. Like If they were going to have karma, that's the only reason I would give it to them. Because like they... They get Oladipo, they get that, then they trade Oladipo and like a lottery pick for Serge Ibaka. They fire their executives, they fire their, like they're just, to me, they're just a mess. I think they've been a mess is what they've been over the course of these years. I think that they, you know, then they end up getting only Terrence Ross back in the Ibaka deal, but like he's probably too good of a player. Like you should have probably just looked for a pick and like they're just, to me, it's just all self-inflicted stuff that's happened over the years with a bad franchise. Wow. 
Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> who has had tremendous luck, who has picked like number one generational type players in the past. Yeah. Well, can we at least both agree that uh, OKC would be pretty far down the karma list? <laughs> um, I don't know. What, what? Tell me. Because I haven't really thought. Uh, about because it. more than any team in the league, I feel like they are blatantly tanking. Yeah. And and if if in this in this world where we're pretending that uh, there's basketball gods and there's karma, mm-hmm. blatantly tanking would have to be the worst thing in terms of getting good karma. I mean, the whole idea behind like what team has good karma is like this team is doing things the right way and not purposely tanking. And be- mm-hmm. between like the Horford sitting, the Mascala sitting, um, some of the things with injuries or resting guys, I feel like the Thunder. And to their credit, I mean, they had to do it because they were so good early in the season. But they have more blatantly tanked than anyone else, and it's really showing up in the stats. I mean, if this team played over the course of an entire season, it might be the worst team in NBA history, legitimately. Yeah. It's all about the Shea injury, though. Like, that's like – it's all – It's not, though. If Al Horford was playing every single night, they would win some games. If Mike Muscala was playing every single night, saying, they'd win some if, games. But if, but if Shea didn't have that injury, Horford, uh, Horford would be playing. No, what? Yeah, that was the, that was one of the inflection points. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. You think that if Shea was healthy, that they would have just been mm-hmm. satisfied being like the Kings right now and being two games out of the play-in? I, I am, I am telling you. It's a fact. That's ludicrous to me. It's an absolute fact. Yes. Why Why would they do that? That wouldn't make any sense. Bro, I'm just telling you. It's, he would be, it's, I'm telling you, it's the Shea injury was really what allowed every, everything to just let go of the road. That implies that they had like no, in, no incentive or no desire to get a high pick going into this season. I just, I'm just, I'm just telling you, man. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> it's true. It is, it is without a doubt true. Absolutely refuse to believe that. Not true. Don't listen to Andrew. <laughs> He's lying to you. <laughs> it is, it is a fact. It is a straight fact. That, that would, that would have been miserable. I'm, I'm telling you, it is. Some of the some of the worst fortune for Shea is some of the best fortune for Thunder fans and Thunder and Thunder people in general. Because they would have been they would have been stuck. Pro- they'd be probably picking at nine or something like that. It'd be worse than that. It could be. It could be. But the, yeah, they would be in like the nine ten range had Shea not had this injury. It's. I'm just telling you, man. I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that you trade away a playoff roster, a roster, Schroeder, CP3, Danilo Gallinari, Steven Adams, and that you're just then satisfied with, like, the 10th pick. Like, I just refuse to believe. It's not that they're satisfied. I just – if Shea's healthy, I just don't know that there's a lot that you can do. There is. They're doing it. They've done it. They shot. They, they, I'm about to say they shot Horford. They sat. <laughs> they, sh- they took Horford out back. They, they sat Horford. 
They sat Muscala. They've been resting guys. I they know. were resting Shea, as brought up in the comments. I don't want to make seem like I just said this. James Anderson said they were sitting Shea against bad teams before he got hurt. They were already sitting part Shea. Of it, what, part, yes, they were. Part of it was the injury, though, is why they were sitting him. I'm just – you just have to believe No, me. I don't. And it, it, it is incredible fortune no! for the future of the franchise that he had this injury. No, we it can't is. act like it's just pure luck when we all read the Sam Presti article – you think that he was going to write that article, we all know what it means, and then he's going to come into this season just shrug his shoulders and be like, oh, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. I guess we're going to win just, 30 games. If Shea's healthy, though, like there's still, like, best-case scenario, seven. You sit him. You make up an injury. I don't... <laughs> I don't think that happens, man. It does. It happened with Golden State when they got Harrison Barnes. It happened with it I'm happened just, with the yeah, San Antonio but they, but Spurs. What did they tank themselves to? Eight. I'm just saying the that Spurs. I just don't think that they're. I just I just don't think that they're here. I think that they're like seven. I I just don't think that they're here. If Shea doesn't have if Shea doesn't sit all of this time. I think I don't think they're here. I I think that they're probably closer to like the twenty like Toronto's twenty seven and forty two. I think that they're probably closer to like 26, 27 wins. I absolutely agree that in that scenario, if Shea, even if you sit Shea on back to backs, I still think that that's where no, they are. No, you sit him more than that. They would have sat him more than that. You, you can't let this season just go by. When it, also, you're, you don't have any. Th- I don't. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I don't. Disagree why do, with why you. do they? Why I'm are they one of the only you. teams that don't have fans in the stands? Dude, we can talk about this. We can talk about that one later. We can talk about that one later. But I'm just saying that the Shea injury was a huge inflection point on everything. And I'm saying if that's true, then the Thunder are not as well run as we thought. If it was just happenstance that they happened to get lucky and lucked out into this top pick. It's man, I'm just That would be a that would if if that's true, that would make me feel a hundred times worse about this franchise. <laughs> well then maybe you need to feel a hundred times worse about the franchise. All right, let's go back to our question. Cursed fan award. This goes to the team that we'd least like to be a fan of for the next five years. Okay, March thirty <laughs> Mar- March thirty first, Alex. That was a month and a half ago. They had twenty wins. I I know. And I'm saying no matter Shea getting plantar fasciitis or not, they would have done what they needed to do because I believe in Sam Presti's letter. I believe in the monumental moves they made in the offseason to get bad. They would not let that go yeah. to waste. I, can, I refuse to believe that. I'm glad that you do. I just can't. I'm not, I'm not with you on that. I'm not with you on that at well, all. Well, then doesn't that concern you? What does that say about what does that say about their likelihood so, of winning a championship? So this is this is what I would say. I would say that this draft has there is more pressure with this particular draft than maybe any draft in the history of the team. What do you mean? Because if they come back next season 
with like Shea improving, Dort improving, Poku improving, whoever they get, like there is so much pressure for that player to be one of the players. Yeah. Because I just don't, I just don't, without going to extreme measures, I just don't know if you can get back to this place again. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know that that's going to be a popular topic as we get into next off season. Um, uh, we'll see what happens in the draft. If they draft four players in the first round and the first two picks of the second round, yeah. uh, I do not think this team's going to be good next year. I do not think they're going to be in the play-in tournament. I don't think they're going to be good, but I'm saying like bottom three teams. I think there'll be. I think they will still be very bad if they're giving big minutes to four rookies. I think this team will be bad, regardless yeah, I, of whether Shea's back or not. Because I think if you if you're replacing some of these veteran minutes that you have for guys with four rookies that you what re- veterans are we talking I'm about? Saying, I'm what saying I'm saying going into next year. About? So like. A, I know, but what veterans are we talking about on this is team? Al, like they were winning. Is games. Al Horford going to play next season? I don't. Al, I don't think Al Horford will be on the team. Okay, so there's one veteran gone. Is Mike Muscala going to play on this team next season? I don't know. The, like those are the type of guys, and then you're replacing them with brand new rookies who you want to give a lot of yeah. minutes to. I just don't think it's a like. I think coming into next season, there's going to be a lot of chatter about like Oklahoma City as a as a play in team. And listen, if they get two top mm-hmm. five picks and one of them is Cade Cunningham, like, yeah, absolutely. Let's mm-hmm. go. But if they get like the mm-hmm. fifth or sixth pick, the 20th pick 32 mm-hmm. and 33 or whatever it ends up being. Mm-hmm. I think, I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, this yeah. team will be sub 30 wins somewhere between 25 and 30 wins. Yeah. My concern is that yes, they will not be good. I totally agree with that. My concern is that they will be like seventh, eighth pick. Good. Yeah. That, that, that yeah, teams. that's where I would, I would, peg them at as well and that's and that's and that's why i'm saying there's a lot of pressure because to get that is the exact that's the that's the worst place to be in, in well the exactly so if you're saying that there's a ton of pressure on this draft tons tons then it makes sense that no matter what happened with shay's injury they have to they would have had to take the steps necessary to maximize their odds this year given everything you just said it would never have made sense to just sit I, back. I, I, I'm gonna have. I just have to bite my tongue on some. I just. Did Rumble tell you this? I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think this would have worked. I don't think it would have. I don't. I think that they have been fortunate. I think they have. This has been without a doubt. I believe this has been that. Re- that reflects so poorly on the organization, though, that they just lucked into this. When, when it's clear, if you look at since Shea's uh, injury, they've done so much to make this happen. I know. I, I realize that. I realize that. I just think with Shea, if Shea was in the lineup for even half of the games, I think that Shea is TGTT. And I, my opinion is that Shea would have never played in half the games, even if he was healthy. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's move on to. <laughs> I just I don't think that you can. I don't think you can. Hey, I I, I believe in Sam I, Presti. I don't think that's. I believe in Sam Presti. I don't. I I don't. I, yes, I believe in Sam Presti too. And here's the and here's the only here's the here's the 
the trump card for all of this is that they have so many picks in their treasure trove that maybe it doesn't matter that they're eighth next year that they will say hey we'll trade you the eighth pick and four future first round picks for pick four or pick five and like those teams that have like no assets are like oh my gosh like we probably have to do this right you know kind of deal so like there's there are ways around it without being the worst team in the league. I just think that they are going to, if you continue to add talent, you continue to develop players, I think that it's going to be hard to be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I, it was hard this season <laughs> to be one of the worst three teams in the league. There are, there's a, there's, you know, you look at half of the season, like I said, at March 31st, they had 20 wins. And you think, like, there's no way they could be one of the worst three teams in the league, and then they have to go on this historically bad run to get there. I just don't know. I don't know if you can – and maybe they can. Maybe the, maybe they can be that bad again. Yeah, and, and – and, and I think it would be – I think it would be best for the franchise to be that bad again. Uh, without a doubt, I think that it would be better for them to be a 15-win team next season and get another top pick and then – and then go for it, then to try to be good. I just I just think it's – I think that they have found themselves in a position where it will be difficult to do that. I would say there's a few factors that I, I think we need to consider, which is, one, this is the – not a bubble year, but this is the COVID year. There's going to be weird results from this year. And I would like to remind everyone, even when Shea was on this team, this was one of the worst three offenses in the league. The only thing keeping this team afloat was their defense. If you bring in a couple rookies and are playing them big minutes who have never played NBA defense before, I think the, the balance between being like this, this spunky competitive team and just being a bad team isn't as dramatic as you might think. I I think that they maybe not fall off a cliff the way they did this year, but they, I, I can still imagine them having a like Detroit Pistons type season next year. Again, if they get two top five picks, I change my opinion. That would be that would be wonderful. No, it wouldn't it? Wouldn't I, we'd have to watch all this again? No, but I mean, for the future of the team, it would be absolutely. It would be ideal. I would, I would rather to just get add, to add players to add players in this draft, and then to be able to add another top player from the next draft. Like that's ideal. I mean, that's how they got. That's how they did the Durant Westbrook Harden team. Uh, yeah, for sure. I would just. I would rather take. Give me the two top five picks this year. Sure, that is just outrageously ideal. Like it's just—it's not it's something that I. Wouldn't. It's a one in four chance. I'm just saying, I, I in my brain cannot go there until it happens. Yeah, I, I know, I know for sure. But but it, even a one in four chance, just I—I'm just saying, I just can't mentally go there. I just can't do it. Um. Uh. Do you think <laughs> we okay? We're we're off the rails. I didn't realize we're at like an hour. Yeah. Late. Do you, should we just finish? Should I just do the favorite Thunder moment of the year award? We can stop there, or do you want to keep going? Sure. Let's just yeah. We got to okay. end it. All right. So our final award, favorite Thunder moment of the year award. We're ending it on a very positive note. Favorite Thunder moment of the year award. I'm interested to hear what you chose, Andrew, because uh, the one I chose it was instant, instantly remembered it took me back to a, a great time well i really 
that there's a Shea Miami game that I really enjoyed. Um, where he's like splitting the defense and he's showing off all like all the moves and it, it was one of the moments where you start to realize like oh okay this guy's really special uh, and then outside of that losing three <laughs> to the Kings is definitely one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the season. Uh, mine was the Doherty forty game because yeah that was forty two points against the Jazz one it was a loss so <laughs> true you get the best of both Didn't worlds. Hurt us. Shot 7 of 11 from 3, and it was just my favorite moment because uh, beginning of the season, even though he had the 30-point game in the playoffs, I just did not – I could not conceive of Lou Dort having a 40-point game. I would have never guessed that. Like, if I had given that as a bold take at the beginning of the season, you would have probably been like, oh, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. pretty bold. Like, Lou Dort scoring 40? Like, that's – Be an absolute – I would say you're – you're outrageous. Like, I don't care what the circumstances yeah. are. Like, there's no way that's So, happening. it was just yeah. so much fun to watch in real time because as it's going on, you're like, oh, man, is he going to get to 30? And then it's like, whoa, Dort has a legit shot to get to 40 points. And as we talked after that game, like, if a few things bounce a little different, like, he could have been at 50 relatively easy. I don't think he shot great from the line that game. So, like, we could have had mm-hmm. a Dort 50-point game. Um, but that was my favorite moment of the year. Favorite Thunder moment. What what a season, mm-hmm. Andrew. What a season. It's been a weird season. Uh, and it will be over soon, <laughs> which I think is uh, is good for everybody involved <laughs> in this season. So, I mean, Alex, next Wednesday, we will be talking about exit interviews. Uh, exit interviews are going to be Monday for the Thunder and so we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about off-season stuff. We'll get into more arguments about what things, what, what happened and what could have happened and what should have happened and whatever. It's going to be great. Uh, this is, I did not mean for this to be such a long pod. Hope you guys are having a great day. And uh, be sure to listen to the Fry Pod. Uh, we'll be here on YouTube. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again. Sorry if I yelled.